0: seated. So we're going to start today's sermon with a question. Which is more important, that Jesus was God or that Jesus was man? Last week for our cognitive behavioral theology series, we looked at the fact that Jesus was God. It is not difficult to make a case for why being God is important. If God is the most important being in the universe, Jesus being God is a significant fact to acknowledge. Jesus being man is pretty important as well. From our perspective as humans, it is actually just as important as the fact Jesus is God. Throughout the Old Testament, God makes a series of covenants with various Old Testament figures. God is always one part of the covenant being established, while a human is always the other part. But people never quite manage to uphold their end of the bargain. It is an understatement to say this is a problem. The lack of a person that can do what these covenant arrangements demand inevitably leads to horrific consequences. The lack of that person is a lack of hope for all of humanity, Jesus being a man that could fulfill humanity's obligations was incredibly important. It still is. Today, we are going to take some time to explore Jesus' manhood. For that, we will turn to 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. Those verses will be Projected on the wall behind me. They're also available in the Pew Bibles. You can turn to page 961 if you prefer to read from there, or of course your own personal Bible. Let's read from 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. Hear the word of the Lord. This is he who came by water and blood. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Jesus' manhood is not of secondary importance. The story the Bible tells hinges on this fact. Some theologians debate whether or not it was necessary for Jesus to be a man. Now, we don't know the options available to God. We do know what God chose to do. He chose to send Jesus into the world as a living, breathing man to save humanity. We are saved through Jesus being a man. We are given new life as people through him. We are redeemed. Our redemption is so that we can operate in the way God intended people to operate. Our ultimate future is being a perfected person. A day will come when our perfection will be absolute. We look forward to that future by seeking to live out the redeemed humanity Jesus has given in the present. Jesus is both the means by which we can be fully human and the model for what it looks like to be human fully human. Jesus was a physical man. We know this because, as John states, he came by water and blood. Some people read water and blood and their mind immediately jumps back to the end of the Gospel of John when the same phrase was used. There in chapter 19, verse 35, John reported that one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear. And at once there came out blood and water. The fact blood and water came out was proof Jesus had actually died. To physically die, you must be physically a lot. There were those in the years following Jesus' time on earth that denied Jesus was ever a true physical man. Some taught that he was a kind of spirit, a, a ghost that only appeared to be a man. There were others, followers of a popular teacher named Serentis, that said Jesus had been a physical man but not always God. They believed that God's spirit had entered Jesus at his baptism and left him before the crucifixion. Biblical authors knew they had to push back on these false claims. In 1 John, the reference to the water and the blood is not an allusion to what happened when Jesus was stabbed with the spear. The best reading is that the text is referring to Jesus' baptism and crucifixion. It says, Jesus came by water and blood, which wouldn't really make sense if it was referring to the moment when Jesus' death was certified with a spear. John Stott, the deceased Bible scholar and and pastor and theologian explains, he writes, We need, therefore, to find an interpretation of the phrase which makes water and blood both historical experiences through which Jesus passed and witnesses, in some sense, to his divine human person. Water refers to the baptism of Jesus, at which he was declared the son and commissioned and empowered for his work, and blood to his death, in which his work was finished. At this point, some of you might be wondering why it should matter at all that Jesus was a physical man in addition to being divine. Why is this important? One reason it matters a fair bit is because it is important to God that we know this was the case. However, our understanding of why Jesus being man is important can extend past a simple because I told you so. Jesus' physical embodiment as a man has a host of implications for us. The book of Hebrews points out Jesus being man means he can sympathize with our experiences. Jesus knows what it means to hunger and thirst, not just for righteousness, but for bread and water. There's an old proverb that says, don't judge a man until you have walked a mile in his shoes. Jesus has walked a mile in our shoes. No other religion in the world teaches that God would align himself so closely with man. Muslims would find the very idea offensive. In their minds, God is distant from his creation, righteous and holy, but lacking in love and care. The fact Jesus took on flesh means the created world is not in itself purely evil. In the ancient world, there were those that thought all of physical existence was irredeemably bad. Their goal was to separate themselves as much as possible from the physical world. They wanted to be purely spiritual. This way of thinking is a recurring pitfall that people seeking religious enlightenment fall into. We've we've run into these people. We've probably been these people in different ways at different times. If I could just separate myself from this world, if I could just separate myself from all the physical things of this world and just be spiritual, then I would be okay. Buddhism, in its purest form, encourages its adherents to transcend physical existence in favor of the spiritual. The idea that the physical world is only bad typically crops up in Christianity in a different way. It is not unusual to run into Christians that confuse holiness with living an austere lifestyle with hating everything that is in the world this is part of the reason christians often struggle to talk about the physical relationships between men and women in a positive way god has given us the physical world to enjoy we should certainly be wary of doing so to excess, but some people have a flawed religious conviction that enjoying it at all is inherently sinful. The wrongness of our interactions with the world is a spiritual problem, it's a product of our hearts. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. If our hearts were pure, we could exist in this world without sinning. Jesus' heart was pure. He was the perfect man, the image of God fully realized. This perfection means Jesus was the perfect human intermediary the one who could fulfill our covenantal obligations, it also means he is the perfect example of what we are supposed to be. Evangelical Christians are often guilty of focusing on the future heavenly implication of Christ's perfection for us to the exclusion of what his perfection means for how we are supposed to live as human beings that have already benefited from the same, from that same perfection in this world. This makes sense. Jesus as the perfect sacrifice for our atonement does have tremendous future benefits for us. We should celebrate those benefits. Apart from what Jesus did For us, we are lost, both spiritually and physically. We have no ability to save ourselves. No chance of living a life that will meet God's standard. God recognized our desperate state. He sent Jesus to save us from ourselves. Through Jesus, we are given eternal life. We move from darkness to light. Where we so often fail, is that we do not see this walking in the light that Jesus has made possible for us in the present for what it is. We look upon the Christian life as a burden that must be endured. We prioritize the satisfactions of this world. Such prioritization cannot end in anything besides disappointment. Walking in the life Jesus has made possible for us is not a burden. It is the way to live life well. The light of Jesus doesn't require us to separate ourselves from the physical world. It gives us the light we need to enjoy it properly. Our everyday existence is a testimony of what we believe concerning Jesus. Verse 10 says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. We hear testimony and our mind jumps to something we claim verbally. A testimony is a story we tell, or something we believe. Yeah, belief and testimony certainly go together. What we believe is important. It's not possible to be a Christian while ignoring what the Bible has to say about who Jesus is. The facts laid out in scripture are fundamental to the whole enterprise of Christianity. John is not just referring to intellectual agreement, though. He makes clear in verse 11 what the testimony is. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The testimony of eternal life In Christ is inseparable from what it means to be a Christian. The eternal life in the Son being referred to is not some future reality we long for, it is in the present. The verse doesn't say this will be the testimony, it says this is the testimony. Believing in Jesus and believing in heaven are wonderful, important things to believe. Our lives in the here and now should bear testimony that the life of Jesus resides in us. Yes, we rest in what Jesus has done. Absolutely, we look forward to the completion of his kingdom. However, the Christian is not called to live in the past or in the future, but in the present. Each year in Major League Baseball, there is a trade deadline. This is the final day of the season that teams can trade players. This year, the trade deadline is on July 30th. Those that run teams are forced to indicate whether or not they think their team can actually win the championship based on what they do. If they believe their team can really win, they will try to fill holes in the roster. Maybe the team needs a pitcher in the bullpen or a bat in the lineup. Team executives that do nothing at the trade deadline indicate. They don't really believe their team can win it all, even if they continue to claim otherwise verbally. We testify what we believe by the way we live right here, right now. What we put on the line today is the clearest indicator of our belief. Doing nothing says a lot more about where we stand than what we say. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son, says the second portion of verse 10. Nobody can actually make God a liar. God is truth, in him there is no deception. By not believing what God has said, by not believing what he has done through Jesus, we indicate that we think he is a liar. There are a lot of people claiming to be Christians running around, indicating by their lives, they think God is a liar. This is the testimony of many. I saw a post online this week that I thought was, was pretty good. It said, worry is a soft form of atheism. I was having a hard day. I was worrying about stuff and I was like, yeah. That's that's true. Really, all sins are a temporary form of atheism. When we sin through anger, lust, greed, or worry, we are denying that God is who he says he is. That what he has communicated in us through Jesus is true. For Christians, the way we live is our testimony of what we believe about Jesus. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. John is making a statement of fact Through Jesus being man, our humanity is redeemed. Prior to Jesus, we were the living dead. Our existence was defined by a fatal infection of sin we could not escape. Physically, we may have been alive, but it was just a matter of time before our physical status caught up with our spiritual status. Those who have the Son have life. Jesus redeems every area of our life, spiritual and physical. Some would rightly point out that this just doesn't seem to be the case. We do still physically die after all. This is hard to deny. Physical death will happen. I don't feel like I physically have the life of Jesus. A few weeks ago, I turned 40. I know to some of you that sounds very young, but when you hit 40, and those of you that are way past this may remember this, you can feel your body start to break down. Right? Just get ready, those of you that aren't there yet. It's really surprising when it happens. I sleep on my shoulder and I wake up and I'm like, what What happened there? I get tired easier. For some reason, my body has decided it would be helpful if I had hair on my ears. I don't know what this is supposed to benefit, but it's a thing. The present physical decline we experience is only temporary though. The effects of sin and the curse may still be ravaging my physical body, but their impact is transient. Just as Jesus is renewing me spiritually, He is preparing a new physical body for me. A day is coming when my physical shortcomings will no longer be present. The spiritual life I have in the sun is the first installment of a human experience that will include a perfected body and soul. Paul explains the life that Jesus is unfolding in us physically in 1 Corinthians. He says, what is sown is imperishable. What is raised is imperishable, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. A few verses later, he adds, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Jesus came as a man to restore humanity completely. We don't know what the future holds for us as restored beings we do know we will be resurrected physically. We will not be angels or ghosts. We will be perfected people, those that are in Christ. When we understand Jesus as a man, our future comes into clearer focus. Romans 6, 5 says, "'For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In our future, we will be like Jesus was after his resurrection. Still very much ourselves, recognizable to those who knew us in life. I will not look like Brad Pitt's and none of you will turn into George Clooney or Gail Gadot. We will be beautified versions of ourselves. Our physical being will be aligned with our spirits that have likewise been perfected. Our future in Christ will be better than our present in Christ, but in a real way, Our present experience is preparing us for that better future. Our humanity that is now fractured will be whole. As we await the full realization of the life Jesus being manifested in us as human beings, as we await that life that is promised, God tells us through scripture what to do. He tells us to grow in the life we have been given. We have access to the eternal life of Jesus in the here and now. Our humanity is presently being redeemed. Or at least we have access to that redemption. Sin is always trying to pull us back to death while the Holy Spirit is beckoning us to life. Many Christians live as if their embodiment in the physical world limits the possibility of experiencing redemption in the present. Jesus became man To redeem man. If we deny our humanity can be redeemed, we are denying the power of Christ. We are denying that his efforts on our behalf are sufficient. We are a new creation. God made man to be his image bearers. Jesus acted to restore us so we could fulfill that calling. The Holy Spirit works to complete the operation of grace in us. Jesus was human. We are supposed to be human like him. One day we will be. Through him, we have access to the life of the Son. Let's pray. Dear Lord, your word tells us that we have been given life in Christ. Those who have turned to Jesus in faith have the life of Christ, Lord. I pray that you would work in our lives, that we would seize on to that life, that you would help us, that we would not be defined by the limitations of this world, by the death that is still so prevalent in our existence, in our daily experience, Lord. But I pray that the life of Christ would be what defines our lives, that that would be our testimony, Lord. I pray that you would be with us this week as we live out the life of Jesus Christ that your life would be real in our lives. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.